Today, I have my favorite human on the podcast as my guest, my husband, Will Ray. We are doing a question and answer series all about marriage, and we cover a huge range of topics. We talk about how we knew we were the right ones for each other, and when we met, and how we fight, and parenting, and intimacy, and communication, and faith, and money, our roles and responsibilities, date nights, all the things. Literally, I feel like we talk about everything. And because of that, you don't just get to hear from us this week. You're also going to hear from us again next week. We've actually split it up into a part one and part two, uh, both episodes all about our marriage. Now, I don't say it lightly when I say I have so much respect and admiration for this man. We are not perfect. I hope that comes through loud and clear in these episodes, but good gracious, God was so generous and good to me when he gave me Will Ray. I am so honored to share his voice and his heart with you today as we share a little bit about our marriage and the journey we've had together over the last 12 years. You're listening to Work and Play with Nancy Ray, episode 68. Much of our daily lives can be divided into two categories, work and play. Simply put, that is where our life and our legacy take place. This is a podcast all about learning to work and play well, which leads to a healthy soul and a fulfilling life. Listen up. Well, today on the Work and Play podcast, I'm really excited to have none other than my husband, Will Ray, joining me. Will, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. We have been joking um, a lot behind the scenes of how silly we would want to be. So we're going to try to keep it pretty tame, but no promises. Keep it tight. Keep it tight. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling? Uh, good. Thank you for having me. This is, I, I thought I would eventually get an invitation to be on the, the podcast. Um, really? Yeah. I thought eventually oh. about something, maybe, but <laughs> marriage was not the thing that I was expecting to talk about. There are many more things that I'm much more comfortable talking about. Uh, and I feel like I would have something to say about lots of other topics other than this. Not feeling like an expert on marriage. Not, definitely not. That's actually a really good way to start, I think, this episode, because we are not experts on marriage. We are not. But at the time... Yeah, go ahead. Well, at the time of this, the release of this podcast episode, yesterday will have been our 12th anniversary. So happy anniversary, babe. Happy anniversary to you. (laughs) I mean, in 12 12 years, not nothing. So there's that. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. I'm relatively happy. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Are you relatively happy? I am. I am. I would say more than relatively happy. I'm very happy, but glad to know that at least we're both somewhat happy. That's good. That's good. <laughs> All right. So what I did, just so anybody listening uh, can kind of be filled in, I went to Instagram a few weeks ago and realized, okay, I have this podcast episode coming out the day after our anniversary. So I'm just going to ask people on Instagram if there's any questions they would have for being Will, if I could convince him to come onto the show. And thankfully, he was convinced, and here we are, and I have a long list of questions. We actually went through every single one. We're kind of amazed at all the questions that came in. We consolidated them. We're going to try to hit We're going to try to hit most of them. There's some that we couldn't squeeze in, and we're going to try to be concise. And hopefully, I don't know, hopefully 
encourage you, give you some hope, also probably entertain you a little bit along the way. So let's just jump in. The first question that we got, and I'll kind of be, I mean, it's awkward to have like, it's like an interview, but I am the interviewer, but I'm also answering. So how it's going to go is I'm going to ask the question and then I'll throw it to you, Will, and then I can chime in too. And we'll just kind of, we'll go with it. Great. All right. So what was your first thought or impression when you met? So I don't remember the exact time we met. Do you? Do you? We met I, when we were. We met a long time ago. We were. I was in eighth grade. Yeah. Um, I was in seventh. I don't remember the first time we actually met. The first, the earliest memory I have of you, though, um, was in chapel. We went to a Christian school, and on Thursdays or whatever day mm-hmm. it was of the week, we had chapel, and the first. And I remember seeing you there, uh, I think that year, either eighth grade or ninth grade. Um, and you had just come back from a family trip to like Hawaii or something. And mm-hmm. um, you were super tan and you had this haircut that <laughs> oh, <God>. was, <laughs> was like amazing then and <laughs> could have been... Probably we would consider it closer to hideous now. <laughs> like, no offense. <laughs> it was super cute then. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. Oh. So that's, but I remember like, wow, Nancy. Wow. Just to paint the picture, this haircut was like this pixie haircut, really short. <laughs> like, really, really short. Not quite boy haircut, but like, and I put this palmade stuff in my hair and it was sticking out everywhere and then i had butterfly clips on either side Mm. and braces i Mm. was very special Mm. (laughs) oh yeah my first memory of you still took me a few years beyond that (laughs) to actually get my head understandably um i remember you waiting underneath the carpool pickup line the little shelter (laughs) when (laughs) you were in eighth grade and you were the new guy and somebody was like, have you met that new guy named Will? And I was like, no. And they're like, he's right over there. He's and I was so like, hot. He's really cute. I did. And then I did have a crush on you for two weeks in seventh grade. And then you were too full of yourself. And I was like, yeah, mm. not interested. Definitely did not have my head screwed on right. No, not back then. But good thing Still you, working. You get, <laughs> Still working. <laughs> Eventually. I got, I got a few things right along the way. <laughs> Eventually we'll get it screwed yeah. on right. You yeah. know, might take a few more years, but... Got a few um, things right. One of the questions that came in, which I thought was good, <laughs> a good question for sure, but kind of hard to answer. How do you pick a great partner? How do you know it's a good long-term fit? How do you know, you know, when you meet the one? Hmm. How did you know I was the one, babe? <laughs> um, you know, I, as I think about it, we had the luxury of knowing each other like a really long time. Yeah, that's true. And being friends, just friends. We dated other people and, um, you know, as much as you can date in high school or whatever. It was, uh, but but we were good friends. We knew each other and we could just have fun and I could, and we got to know each other over time. And so when, you know, come senior year, when I was finally like trying to think right and think about my future and stuff like that, um, I had seen you and been friends with you for years and I knew what you were about and I knew that you love the Lord and I knew um, that you were just so solid and um, in your faith, your values and how you um, handled yourself 
Um, you know, I think of that now as a luxury because I think about folks who are older and they don't have maybe five years to get to know a person before right. they start dating. Um, and so I got, we really were able to hang out a lot as friends and, and, um, and then it just kind of grew out of there. So I was, we were very lucky in that regard, I think. Yeah. Yeah. How to pick a great partner. I mean, you just, you got to pray a lot about it and you got to trust for me, we were really young and I think Mm. there were a lot of people saying, you maybe shouldn't get married that young or like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. How do you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know? You know, I was 21. 22. You were 21, 20. 22. Yeah, yeah. When we got married. So I was 20. I was a sophomore in college when we got engaged. And I, I just, my answer would be just walking with the Holy Spirit, really asking him like to make it, like I got to the, to make it clear. I got to the point where I felt like it was wrong to not marry you. Mm. Like I was so sure that that was the path that God had for us. Mm. And there's a, there's been a few times in my life where it's like wrong to not do this thing. <laughs> like mm. I'm on a track and the Lord's made it clear that he's like mm. blessing this. Mm. And I think that that's, that would be my answer is like, and I know it might not be that clear for everybody, but I think, I mean, some of the obvious things you said, making sure your values are aligned, making sure mm-hmm. your faith is the same. You're mm-hmm. on the same page there. Um, just talking about as much as you can under the sun before you get married. Yeah, I mean, we had plenty of time to talk about like what we cared about, what yeah. was important to us, what we believed, or we took and we were intentional about that too, and we took time to do that. And so we knew we were on the same page with our faith. We knew that it was really um, serious for both of us. So I, I, that was really helpful, and that's probably the most important thing. Yeah, um, is that you know values alignment at at its core. You know, there was there's certainly physical attraction, and there has to be that. Um, but that you know, when that wanes, if mm-hmm. you have nothing else keeping you, um, you it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, find you know understanding. I, I think how to pick a great partner is just understanding and uh, working on values fit. That's the probably the biggest thing i think yeah all right tips for waiting for marriage so whether you're single what do you mean waiting what do you mean? <laughs> define waiting like uh, you're waiting to find the right person this or? was just the question that came in from instagram i don't know i'm thinking maybe if you're waiting to find the right person if you're single in a season of waiting um maybe you're dating or you're in a serious relationship and it's just not time to get married yet mm. i don't know mm. just waiting i mean for us we really, I like can't really remember. I mean, I do remember being single, but I was like mm-hmm. in early high school. Mm-hmm. We started dating when I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And so most of my life, I feel like I've been with you. Yeah, no. So yeah. our waiting for marriage was more um, dating each other and waiting in that. Yeah. So let's speak to that because I feel like that's more appropriate for our answer. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Waiting is hard. It's um, It's refining. Um, we had a longer engagement, you know, 14 months or so. Um, and so it's certainly refining. Yeah. Yeah. Waiting is hard. It's not fun for anybody. I think whether you're single, I mean, I do remember, I take that back. I do remember really longing for a boyfriend or a husband at like a very young age. And You know, I think building your relationship with the Lord to the point that my longing um, had to become 
overwhelmingly for the Lord first and knowing that he's the one that fulfills me before any guy ever could, any husband ever could, um, that helps in your waiting. Obviously, that longing's still there, but just making sure your heart's in the right place and that you, and when you are lonely or are sad or are having a hard time waiting, just constantly bringing that to the Lord's feet. Um, but then waiting in the sense of like, let's just get real. Like we both waited in the Christian sense, in the Christian sense, we both waited <laughs> to have sex until we were married. Yeah. That wasn't easy. Yes. I mean, also difficult, probably easier for me than for you. Perhaps. Yes. I would think so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, that's difficult. I, that That is absolutely, um, you know, if there's folks that are trying to do that and trying to save themselves, that's awesome goal. Absolutely the right thing to do. Um, I think for yourself personally, everybody's going to make their choices here. Scripture's pretty clear. And that, that, that it's best uh, reserved for the covenant, a covenant relationship yeah. where um, you're in it for the long haul. This isn't a, hey, will he be here tomorrow? Uh, I'm giving my life to you. And so yeah. that's the best place to do it. So <clears throat> tips for that, if that's what this question was as it related to, to waiting, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe not. Maybe they're getting more than they bargained for here. Uh, just... Uh, Setting clear boundaries, um, asking for help and accountability from close friends, um, family, and letting um, and being clear with each other about what you are going to do, what you're not going to do, um, you know, and even getting practical like, hey, we really probably shouldn't be in our home, in a home alone together, things like that. Um, that was really helpful for us. Yeah. On the real, real. I'm really glad we had like a long distance engagement. That was helpful yeah. because we were you were you were living in Raleigh yep. most of the time, and I was living in Boone in school most of the time. So that was helpful. But yeah, I totally agree. Having boundaries, talking about those boundaries, and then when you are tempted to push those boundaries, which you will be, talking about that, bringing it up, it's hard. Yeah, you're not going to be successful if you're trying to wait until marriage um, and abstain until then. You're not going to be successful trying to talk about boundaries while you're alone and things are getting intense. Right. And you're really excited to see each other and you're by yourselves. That's not the time to talk about it. It's when you're <laughs> out to dinner. You know, it's it's when you're, it's before you get there yep. that you need to talk about what you're going to do and not going to do. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to uh, marriage. That was all like <laughs> leading up to yeah. actually being married. Um, but it was good. Kind of took me back. Down a little memory lane. Um, what was the hardest part of the first year? I think it was just probably getting used to living together. Um, obviously, we didn't we didn't do that until we were married, and making sure we understood expectations and learning what you cared about and what was the way you did things, and kind of meshing that. Um, that was you know it was. I look back and it was not that difficult. Um, the hardest part of our first year in particular was I think I was working, I was working third shift then I was working nine, night yeah. shift. And so that was a, a challenging part of first year. Oh yeah. Hard. Yeah. On the practical side, yeah. you leaving at nine o'clock at night, me mm-hmm. telling you goodbye. And then you going to work and we lived in a tiny little apartment on the side of a mountain. We had no AC 
we had mice. <laughs> and I remember thinking I was hearing the mice and I was by myself in the apartment. And it was just humble beginnings for sure. I think apart from that, the hardest part of the first year is having any kind of expectations. Because mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. expected the first year to be really hard. I expected it to be gut-wrenchingly hard because mm. my sister had a really tough first year of marriage. Mm. Some of my friends had. And I was like rolling up my sleeves, like preparing for the worst. And I know that sounds bad, but I think you just start to hear stories of friends. And then you start to have these set of expectations. And I do remember I felt really bewildered and confused when I graduated college because that was the middle of our first year of marriage. Mm. And I didn't know what I was going to do for the first time. I was so confused and really kind of lost. Um, and that was hard. But I think overall, our first year of marriage was pretty good. Yeah. Like it wasn't bad. It was, yeah. it wasn't necessarily like wonderful, but mm-hmm. it was pretty easy. I think we had done a lot of work beforehand. And I wish that I hadn't expected it to be so hard. I think I would have been able to let go and enjoy it a little bit more because I was kind of always waiting for the ball to drop, I feel like. So mm. just lose expectations. Mm. Let it be what it is for you. Uh, so I just answered the next question. One piece of advice you'd tell your newlywed selves, lose expectations. What What do you got? Yeah, I think that's huge is, uh, is you know, hold your expectations loosely. You're, <laughs> what are you expecting marriage to be? Just take it easy. Uh, hold those loosely because you're not, uh, that may or may not happen the way that you would like for it to go. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question is how, how do you communicate expectations when you're going to an event or like a holiday gathering? Mm. Talk on the way there. Uh-huh. Secret signals. Uh-huh. Se- Agree secret on, signals for what? Like when, when it's time to go. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. do we talk about on the way there? Like when we're going to leave. Yeah. Um, who we need to, if there's somebody we need to talk to or something we need to make sure we that, that we do, if somebody's got... If the kids are there, there's a whole other dynamic. And so uh, talking about things, um, yeah, if you know, we need to leave by whenever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we always decide on, okay, what's the departure time? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we both keep an eye on that, leave on time? Um, <laughs> yeah, we always come with a secret signal. Usually you kind of come up to my back and like give me like a pretty firm back rub, like signaling <laughs> me, hey, it's time to go. <laughs> and at that point, I usually smile and nod in disregard and we're there for another 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> true, true if story. If we're being real. Yeah. Uh, but no, we do try. I think it's good to communicate about those things ahead of time for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you recommend counseling? Individual counseling, marital counseling, premarital counseling, any of that? All the above. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really good. I I think for married couples, there's a stigma around marital counseling. Like, oh, we're admitting we have a problem if we go to marital counseling. And that doesn't have to be the case. It's um, really, really good. It's really healthy um, to talk through things. Individual counseling, if there's an intensive issue that that one of you needs to deal with, um, either as it relates to your past or experience um, or a challenge you can't get through. Um, and then marital counseling is like a, we try to do it like a tune-up. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there is this stigma. Like I used to think, oh, we don't need counseling. Like we're good. 
We don't need to do that. There aren't any problems. Right. We're so good. we're fine. Why would we need that? But what I've realized, and you know, we each come from um, families, from parents who have had divorces. And I remember thinking when my parents got divorced, like, if I... If we could just go to counseling once a year or once a quarter or whatever, once a week, whatever it takes, right? If mm. that would help us stay mm. together, mm. why would we not do that? And I think that's what we found counseling to be is just a way for us to check in, stay together, kind of do a tune-up. And then we have gone through different issues that we feel like the two of us cannot solve this thing together. Yeah, it can be very helpful to have a... Uh kind of an unbiased third party to help you talk through particularly sensitive issues. Yes. Really helpful. Yeah. And that's been the case for us, for sure. So highly recommend. We did premarital. We've done individual counseling. We've done marriage counseling, all the above, for sure. All right. (laughs) This question makes me laugh. You two seem perfect. What do you fight about? What do you argue about? Definitely not perfect. Definitely not perfect. I'm really grateful. I don't think we fight, really. We don't. We don't have many. There's many no like frying pans being thrown through the kitchen. No yelling, or... really? That we? I don't think so. No yelling. Yeah, we've gotten close. <laughs> Yell more <laughs> at the kids than. Yeah. Uh, that's embarrassing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. What do we fight about, uh, or what do we have conflict about? Uh, the kids and how to handle them. Yeah, kids know how to push your buttons, so they reveal right. a really bad if side you're not of on both the same of us. Page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know how to deal with that at yeah, dinner time. You know, just punishing, but you know, punishments, discipline. <laughs> you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah, the scream fest that is dinner time. Yeah. We can easily lose our mind by yeah. the end of dinner. We're like, oh, it takes this big meal. We're sitting down to enjoy yeah. it, and then all three kids are screaming or crying or something. And by the end, we're like, okay, whatever. Let's just go. You know, we're I just think on she edge. Should eat her broccoli. You don't think she has to eat all her broccoli? Right, that right. Kind of, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, form versus function, like. If we are buying something new for the house, I want the one that's most functional, and you want the trendiest, best-looking item. I remember when we were registering for our wedding, we got into a fight in Target for Mm -hmm. this very reason Mm -hmm. about a trash can. And an oven mitt. And an oven mitt. Those two different trips? Two different trips to Target, two different things. And I really wanted this cute blue trash can, and you were like... It's a trash can. Why would we get something cute? It's literally, you're putting your trash in. It's not functional at all. This other one has a cool steppy thing. That blue one is way too expensive. We we had it out in Target about that. And then the, the oven mitt as well. We just shut it down. We gave we did. the gun. We, we did. We, we were like, we have to leave. Scanner gun, gave it back to him. Because I left. wanted the cute oven mitt. And you were like, this is not practical. Look at this other one that was hideous. But you were like, it completely protects your hand and it's rubber. And I was like, I'll be doing the cooking. I don't want a rubber oven mitt. I want a pretty (laughs) cloth one that has a, I don't know. We went on and on. (laughs) One thing that we've talked about a lot or that you've talked about a lot is like money and our financial journey. And we've been very on the same page for a lot of that. Yeah. But we've also fought sometimes uh, or had conflict about how much we should spend and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think of several examples of that where I remember I wanted to buy a really pretty bedspread for the kids' beds. And it was like $400. And I was like, this is so beautiful. This is like my little girl dreams. I want this. And you 
that lost your mind. You were like, 400 freaking dollars for a kid's... Like, they're going to throw up on that? They're going to pee on that? What are you thinking? And I was so offended. I was devastated. I cried. I was so upset about it. We ended up going <laughs> with like a hundred, a $50, $100 white bedspread. I don't think it was $100. No, it was like $50, Yeah, I think. It may be not even that. Yeah. Best decision, I have to say. So... Super you know, cute, it's well. super cute, yeah. works well, and I can throw it in the wash. And I'm not worried about the cost of it at all. But that is like the quintessential Will and Nancy fight, I feel like. This harkens back to what we were saying earlier, but unmet expectations. Yeah. Um, I wanted something to go some way, or you did, and it didn't. Yeah, for sure. So I hope that resolves any myth that you might be thinking that Will and Nancy <laughs> never fight. Oh, and I'm I'm not very kind in the way I say, say say things sometimes, so that creates conflict. <laughs> that's true. Because it's not always that you say something that's bad. You just say it in a way that, that makes make me like want to cry. But I'm like, what you just said wasn't bad. It's just you're very... You think in very black and white. I mean, that well, is who you are. What I said was not not true. Right. But it was not right to say. Yeah. So how how do we fight? How do we sort through conflicts? Now that you have a long list of all the things we fight um, about. I mean, there's more than that, too, but that's just the start. But Generally, you will catch me later and say, hey, I want to talk to you about something. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, oh no. no. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'll go back through the day of the, all the things that maybe could have been possible conflict points. And then we'll talk it out. Yeah. And I'll end up apologizing. And I usually end up apologizing, too. I'm just a little sensitive person, so... You've just married a sensitive one, and I've married someone who sees things really black and white. So that's just a fun combination. Yeah, you just have to you just have to work it out, and with enough humility, uh, I think you can. We can generally we generally get to a pretty good resolution. Yeah. Even if I don't under, always understand the first time, sometimes you have to explain it to me a couple of times about why you didn't like what I said. Yeah. Um, or or whatever it was. Yeah, we've circled back to a couple of uh, arguments a few times until we've really <laughs> come to a good understanding. But I think that's worth saying. It's not like we fight and then we make up and then we're good every time. It's yeah. like a, a continual thing that we work for and we work towards. And we can, we I don't stop fighting. I don't feel like you either until we get that the peace that we're looking yeah, I was, for. I was going to say like we don't we don't just drop it, drop it, drop it. Just stop. Don't talk. No. We, we actually lean in and dig into it a yeah. little bit more. Cause I don't, I could stand here today and say, legitimately, I don't have any qualm or beef or issue that we haven't, that is built up from yeah. past discussions. There's no issues with that. Yeah. Um, completely clear yeah. on, you know, us and how we're doing. Um, cause we've cleared the deck and we tend to clear the deck every time mm -hmm. pretty well, um, that we, cause we stay in it. We get to a point of understanding. Apologies are exchanged where, you know, or one side gives an apology and, and we move on from there as best we can. Um, so I don't have a long list of things that I'm still, that are out there unresolved. We deal with them and, and generally put them to bed. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? hundred percent. I feel the same. I feel completely clear standing here. Like there's nothing that I've, I'm hanging on to in the back of my head. There's no ill feeling towards you. Right. So but you got to. Good feelings towards you. <laughs> <laughs> <Hope so. laughs> Relatively good feelings. Yeah. Uh, 
you have to, and you you don't get there by just you know getting halfway through an argument and saying, "Fine, just just drop it, just drop it." Like you yeah. have to keep, you have to stay in it yeah. and stay in the fight a little bit. I don't know that you should stay in the fight at eleven thirty at night or you know twelve p.m. you know super late at night. Yeah. Uh, or if you've had a few drinks or whatever, it's probably not great to stay in the fight then. But you don't not you can't not come back to it and get resolution. Yeah. We don't always like get resolution that night right. necessarily. But it might but we talk about it the next day. Yeah. It's like we do the best we can. Yeah. And if we are at a point where we're like, we can't get any farther, we're tired, this isn't right or yeah. good to keep pushing this right now. Yeah. We'll just go to sleep. Yeah. And sometimes that's really hard for me, honestly. Yeah. But I think the fact that we still just try to address it or say something helps. Mm-hmm. And then knowing that we can come back to it. Because there's that Bible verse that's like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, well, sometimes issues take a little bit longer. But yeah. it's okay as long as you're working towards that and resolving that anger. That's okay. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's We've I not think, taken that as the literal sun. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> The sun does go down. Sometimes right. the day does pass and things aren't resolved. But I think that that really speaks to the idea like, hey, don't just leave things undealt with. Right. Um, yeah. And when we have bumped up against an issue that we feel like we haven't gotten an answer for, we would just schedule a counseling appointment for right. that week. Right. And say, we, we've we tried. We've yeah. done this three times over. We can't get there. So we can't get that peace and that resolve so we need some help and even just having that counseling appointment on the calendar is like hopeful and helpful like we did when that i said i don't even remember what it was but i said something and just like totally ruined a date night oh my gosh totally just dropped a bomb on our date we were having a great time and then we came across something that we just could not handle uh ourselves and we talked about it for a couple days and we're like i think we need to go to counseling yeah and we did yeah I don't even remember what that was about. That's hilarious. That's funny that we can't remember. I know. It was a really yeah. big deal. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. Do we do we argue in front of the kids? How do we handle arguments in, with the kids? We have discussions in front of the kids. We do. But we don't um, have heavy conflict in front of the kids. So that means I have to go with something that I maybe don't agree with um, right now. Or you do that. You have to go something, go with something that you don't agree with for right now, and then we get together and talk about it later. Yeah. So that we handle the next situation better, right? And be on the same page about it. If it's gonna push my buttons emotionally, and I feel like I'm gonna maybe lose my temper at the kids if they try to interrupt or something, then I think it's good to like table it mm. and we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's really important to have the kids watch you handle healthy conflict in a marriage mm-hmm. because i think um that's good it's really important for them to see what a real marriage looks like yeah otherwise one day when they're married they're going to be thinking my parents never had conflict but right. well, we did but it was all behind closed doors well that's not helping and anybody yelling and screaming at each yeah, other behind like, closed doors that's not helping right. anybody so i think yeah because more is caught than taught yeah. and so you do want to model uh, healthy conflict, healthy conflict, yeah. and conflict resolution, um, and so there are opportunities um, to do that for sure. It yeah. just you you know if it's getting too heated or you're you're too far apart on something, it's best to table it and do it later. But if you can have a discussion and really, um, 
I don't know if I've ever done this. I don't know if it would even have been caught because our kids don't are so young. They don't catch a they're lot. They're still of, little. They're, I mean, they they do catch quite a bit. But you know, if I have the opportunity to apologize to you in front of them, yeah. or vice versa, that's a really powerful thing because we mm-hmm. want them to apologize for doing what they've done to their sister or brother, and um, want them to learn humility and forgiveness, um, that sort of thing. And ultimately, just point. To the Lord being the one who is perfect. Absolutely. Mommy and daddy aren't perfect. Yeah. We're, we all, we say this all the time in our family. We all make mistakes. Yeah. We all make mistakes, you know. Model transparency, vulnerability, humility, so that they can yeah. know it's okay to say you're sorry as well. And that's how you can, that's the path to reconciliation yeah. in your relationships. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um. Okay. Greatest thing each of you did for the other. What's the greatest thing you've ever done for me, babe? <laughs> I was going to say the greatest thing you ever did for me <laughs> was pretty simple. Was uh, I mean, it wasn't simple, but it was easy to come up with this answer, was to have our babies. Don't you ever say that as simple again. It's not <laughs> simple, not easy. Uh, it was easy to come up with. I'm just kidding. Your part in it was pretty simple, but... No. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I would say that's pretty much the greatest thing I ever did yeah. for you. I mean, you grew them... You birthed them, brought them into this world. You fed them with your body. I mean, it's just, it's a freaking superpower and it's amazing. (laughs) Oh, man. I'll just sit with that for a minute. I'm Mm. just kidding. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, you've, you've done some pretty amazing things for me, though. You're a great husband. But I do think. Uh, well, it's I mean, hard to measure up to that. It though. really is. I mean, I got to <laughs> say that the scales are tipping here yeah, a little yeah. bit. But uh, I, I think back to, you know, just the early years of our marriage and how you busted it working night shift. And you, um, I mean, we were a one income family. We lived on your income and you took a crazy overnight shift job at Walgreens so that I could build my dream, build my business. And... I did. And I grew Nancy Ray Photography. And if you had never allowed me to do that, that just wouldn't have happened. And so mm-hmm. I'm doing work that I love. I have a life that I love, a job that I love. And financially, I feel like we are good because of the sacrifice that you made early on, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then speaking to the babies thing, I mean, I clearly couldn't have done it without you, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> literally, but, you know, actually mentally, emotionally, you, any mother listening knows that having someone there during pregnancy, during birth, during delivery, in those early days, in the early weeks. I mean, your husband's everything. So you were, mm. you you didn't play a small role in any of that either. It was definitely teamwork. Mm. So even when you had the flu with baby number three, oh my gosh. double strain flu, yeah. you were right by my side when I was giving birth. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised you're pretty good on your 30th birthday. That was a good one. Oh, yeah. You got me yeah, so good. good. Huge birthday party surprise, fun. And then I uh, flew down and surprised you when you got a big award. That was an unbelievable surprise. That was so fun. I got an award through work, and Nancy showed up, and they let you present it. I know. Not not only showed up, but they were like, we have someone here ready to present this award. And I walk out of the back door, very pregnant with Lyndon. And I give a little speech about you and you jump up in this room full of men and go, Oh my goodness. I mean, you like lost your mind and I gave this little speech and presented your award and you were crying and laughing. That was really fun. 
That was super fun. Okay. um, Totally different direction. How do you balance two families on each side? So what that means is, you know, Will comes from family, divorced parents. I have divorced parents. So basically, if you've ever seen the movie Four Christmases, that's kind of our life life around the holidays. Um, But yeah, how do we do that? We've done it the wrong way a few times, oh, which was yeah. trying to do it like the movie and see everybody on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And every holiday, trying to make everybody happy and yeah. it all on the actual holiday. There's just no way to do it. That was exhausting. Um, so we have to be clear and communicate up front. Uh, quite a bit of planning goes into some of our holidays and um, things like that. Yeah. Hey, we're going to be with this family this day, this family this day, this family this day. Here's our family, just you and me and the kids. That's when we're going to do our thing. So so planning in advance, communicating expect, so that people don't have uh, expectations that, get, that don't get met. And then um, just kind of in the, the day-to-day life, there's some natural um, boundaries with some of our parents live in town. Some of our family lives in town. Some of our family lives out of town. And um, we try to get around to everybody and keep everybody involved. Yeah. I think we're really blessed to have such amazing parents because mm. all of them are super flexible and none of them give us a hard time. I've thought mm. about that so much during mm-hmm. the holidays. Mm-hmm. It could be so stressful if they were really fighting over who gets Christmas morning spot or whoever gets yeah. whatever. And none of them do. They're all so gracious. Yeah. And so I think we made it harder on ourselves in the beginning a little bit because we were trying to be everything for everyone. And once right. we talked about it and realized we are like killing ourselves over here and this is miserable. Like I literally left one Christmas was like, I hated that Christmas is the worst thing ever mm-hmm. because I, it was, I did it to myself, but just communicating clearly thinking about what is the best way for us to go about this that keeps us sane and we just kind of i mean we're talking specifically about christmas but we do this with every birthday too we do this with every thanksgiving we do this with most holidays um just thinking in advance what's the best thing for our family and what's the best thing for them and you know trying to keep in mind who might be alone inviting those people over all Mm -hmm. of that we just kind of yeah i think we've grown a lot in that area but yeah all right um so we've talked a little bit about how our personalities are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we work through the personality differences that we bring into our marriage? I think understanding the personality differences, what those are, is key. Yeah. And we've read some books and taken some personality tests, and there's some tools that have really helped us with that. Um the Enneagram mm-hmm. has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. We both read The Road Back to You. Didn't you read that book? Yeah. And you identify as a? One. Huh. And I identify as a three. Mm-hmm. So I think once we read that, we were like, oh, that's the way that we, that's why we are the way that we yeah, are. Like a as a couple, yeah. you know, it really was helpful. Um, our love languages. It's another thing. Mm-hmm. We read our fi- The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Yeah. While we were engaged. Yeah. And yours was? Quality time. Mm-hmm. And we've come to discover. <laughs> yeah. More recently that yeah. words of affirmation is a close second yeah. for me. And, and yours. I thought that my most important was physical touch. Yeah. Just like every young Christian 
abstinent male uh, <laughs> thinks that. Uh, and it and it and it's definitely a, a big one, but it's probably second to acts of service. Yeah, I do think that we both thought a certain way when we were engaged, mm-hmm. and then once we got married and we're like living together, we're like, actually, it means really a lot to me when you do this. And yeah. acts of service is really big for you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think using those tools is really helpful. I mean, that we've taken the DISC test, just the personality being, just test, just being aware of how your spouse processes. The world, what they value, what they think about, that makes all the difference. Yeah. And one other thing to say to that is never using the Mm. personality traits against them in a negative way. Mm. Never Mm. saying, oh, you're such a one. Yeah, or you're such a pejorative or pigeonhole. I heard that recently um, somewhere, and it has really stuck with me because I think that is really damaging. Mm-hmm. And only using those things like the Enneagram or your love language or whatever personality test mm-hmm. you fancy or your strengths finders, whatever, only using that as a lens to build your spouse up. And mm-hmm. so as a one, I always think of you as somebody who loves truth mm-hmm. and loves righteousness and fights for that. Mm-hmm. And I think always keeping that in the forefront of your mind instead of what can easily come which is, oh, you're such a perfectionist, mm. or like looking at ne- through a negative lens, mm. like, no, like always look at the positive, most positive attributes and only speak those things about your spouse. Yeah, I, I, that's huge. I think the you or, or the individual should be aware of their flaws. Like, I should be aware of my flaws. Exactly. And I should use uh, the, you know, the warnings about a one or a high DC personality or whatever it is uh, to myself. Um, but it becomes kind of counterproductive if other people are pointing out, oh, well, you just care about that because you're a, a high D or you're a yeah. one or whatever. It kind of becomes counterproductive. Certainly would not be helpful. Yeah. Are you opposites attract or birds of a feather couple? You know, it's funny. We were talking about it, and it's kind of both. Yeah. So I'm... Well, you said originally, you were like, I definitely think we're opposites of track. And I was yeah. like, I definitely think we're birds of a feather. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we had to hash opposites, it out. Yeah, that's good. So we are so we thought of some, some things that are opposites. And so I'm... You're big on... Form. And like we said, I'm big on function. 100%. You're more... I'm big picture. And I'm more detail-oriented. I'm very idealistic. And I'm the realist. I am very believing. I like believe the best in people. And I'm super skeptical. <laughs> I'm really optimistic. She says I'm pessimistic, but I just say <laughs> a realist. <laughs> I go back to realist. And I guess kind of already said this, but I think the best about, well, really about anybody, but any situation, yeah. I'm like, it's going to be go great. great. Yeah. And I think the worst. Yeah. All, yeah just about always. That's, that's kind of pessimistic. Like, <laughs> Worst case, trying to think about what would I do in worst case scenario uh-huh. situations. Yeah, so that's how we're opposite. But birds of a feather who flock together, we are similar. Mm-hmm. We're in both a lot of ways. very driven. Yeah, yeah, we have really high expectations of ourselves and other people. I yeah. think just yeah, our poor kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be tough on them. Yeah, we're we're trying to keep that in mind. Uh, we really, and you know, to that end, really value personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like that's really want we care that we care a lot about that. Yeah, uh, we're we're kind of clean. I mean, mm-hmm. we're <laughs> kind of clean. Kinda that sounds clean. bad. I mean, we are clean. We just took showers. It's great. <laughs> um, but you know, we like the house to be tidy. We're not like you know, one we, of us isn't a total freaks. like messy person, and you're 
yeah. not total neat freaks. But I feel like we see eye to eye in that. Mm-hmm. Like we both have the same expectations there. And we, like we said earlier, we share the same values, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. super important. Mm-hmm. We have the same, and that really goes to, in terms of how our money, how we view money, yeah. what we care about um, with that and some of our priorities there. And we really like the same music, which is helpful. Not is helpful. all of not the all, same music. But a lot of but the same. We do. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, let's get to the the good stuff. Um, this <laughs> none, was, of the, none of the <laughs> nothing so far has been the good stuff. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but really, I was kind of laughing about all the questions that came in about intimacy and how do we keep cultivating intimacy with our busy schedules and with kids and all that. So, I just want to talk about mm-hmm. that first. Let's talk about just how to cultivate intimacy. Mm-hmm. As a married couple with busy lives. Mm. This is the, we've been working on this. Obviously we've been in the thick of it yeah. with, um, kids, uh, you know, five, two and one. And so we've been trying to figure this out for the last five years yep. and we've certainly not arrived, but we're learning. Uh, the thing that you helped me understand is, um, that really emotional intimacy can lead to physical is leads to physical intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that I really haven't even been able to put into words until Mm -hmm. recently, but it's as a woman, it's really important and necessary to feel a connection with you that isn't physical at all Mm -hmm. first. And that we, we see eye to eye. There's none of that like baggage if we're in like an argument or anything mm-hmm. like that like that all has to be resolved mm-hmm. um and just that we're both you know we don't just go from a busy day straight into having sex <laughs> like we there has to be like <laughs> right. a buffer of yeah. conversation and how are you and like an understanding and we just have to know like how the other person's really doing yeah. and that emotional intimacy um and and just yeah i want to say clarity but just almost like in a way, clarity, like mental clarity, there's nothing kind of holding you back or bothering you. Um, and we just have that understanding has been really good to just understand and communicate, articulate that. Um, but that's hard to do mm-hmm. with busy schedules and mm-hmm. it's hard to do with kids. And so I think one thing I appreciate is just communicating expectations um, and, and talking about that, like, ahead of time but also Mm -hmm. just talking about our days and connecting Mm -hmm. in like little ways and big ways for sure you also have talked about sending signals of which i'm very bad at both sending and receiving signals i'm very like i said black and white and so (laughs) so it's also like uh you don't want to come home and say hey so you think we'll have sex later tonight so you have to there's a a little bit of an art to it where it's like you just kind of work on that emotional intimacy part and um yeah try to send signals like non-sexual signals to indicate that you want to have sex (laughs) Like you said, it's an art form. It's an art form. I do think, though, I agree 100% with that. But also, mm-hmm. on busy weeks, we do talk about yeah. the nights that we could yeah. possibly have sex ahead right. of time. Because, right. let's be real, if we don't talk about it, it's not going to happen on yeah. a super busy week. Yeah. And so I think for me, mentally, knowing that that is coming is helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Energy. With three little kids, 
Mm. That's a big that's a big deal because I I feel drained a lot of days yeah. and I'm like nobody touch me because I've been touched all day please <laughs> right. I need all I want is some space. And so I think you know knowing that you pretty much always have energy to do it and I'm always like oh I need to sometimes I need to rally a little bit mm. because I've just been touched and like I've held children all day um is is good to realize mm-hmm. and then also ask myself like what do I need right now? Like, do I need a minute? Do I need to just like take a bath? Take a bath, yeah. You know, that's something sometimes I'm like, I just need a minute just to like rest or like take a bath or do something for myself just to feel a little bit more like a reset, you know? Um, And then like just planning getaways is something that we are trying to get better at doing, but yeah, that's that really important. Nights. Yes. Yeah. That goes towards the cultivating, the cultivating emotional intimacy as well. And then of course, getaways, yeah. um, you know, overnights or a couple a weekend or whatever. Yeah. Date nights are huge. We're not super consistent about them, but I think just trying, we've gotten way more consistent about it's it recently. We used to not be as consistent as we are now, but yeah. just fighting for that time away mm-hmm. when it feels impossible. It feels so hard mm-hmm. sometimes, but that all, it's all, it's not just sex. It's like all of it is all encompassing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. This is going to be a great area where a counselor or um, help uh, of any of various kinds can, can be really um, invaluable. Definitely. To yeah. get, get help, get outside help if there's an issue. Um, yeah. For sure. I do think would be remiss at this point if we didn't mention, you know, if there's been um, issues with intimacy in your life, in your marriage, um, there's help for that too. And one of the best things that you can do for your spouse is get healthy. If you've not been healthy in that area, maybe there's been uh, sexual sin, sexual dysfunction, um, infidelity, pornography, um, any number of things that have been dealt with in marriage. I mean, I, I know for most men and many women um, our age, a little older and certainly younger, there's effectively no men that haven't struggled with or dealt with. Uh, pornography at some point. And that is a killer for intimacy, for uh, emotional intimacy in marriage. And so if that is a an issue, um, I don't know how many men listen to this podcast, like three, <laughs> like, but I, yeah. the for those three men, if that's an issue or has been an issue, or you feel like it could be an issue, and you need to and you want to work on that, there's great opportunities. There's all sorts of resources out there that have not been available. And uh, so the encouragement would be to get healthy in all aspects. And that that could be sexual addiction. It could be uh, issues there. It could be substance abuse, uh, prescription drugs, uh, drugs, alcohol, um, any number of things, whatever it is that's holding you back from giving yourself fully to your spouse or causing an issue in your marriage, um, dealing with that is going to be probably the best investment you can make in cultivating a great sex life with your spouse when you are truly fully healthy. And uh, so that's just an encouragement. One of the, one of the resources that is out there is a ministry called Pure Desire 
Ministries. Um, another one is uh, Faithful and True for Marriage Initiatives, or, or for Marriage Intensives, rather. There's another one, uh, Weekend to Remember by Family Life, which is just a, that's, that's more of like a couple's retreat um, to, to work on things and tune up. But, the, but one of the best things you can do is work on yourself. And if there's issues as it relates to um, your sex life or sexual um, sin, sexual issues, then work on it. And um, it's one of the hardest things you can do that you, that you do. But it's absolutely one of the best things and one of the best gifts that you can give your spouse. Yeah, and that goes for the ladies too. Getting healthy is the best gift that you can give to your spouse. And there are plenty of resources for ladies in the ministries that will list it as well. Corner store, and this week Will and I are bringing you a book we've been loving and a thing we've been loving. I'll get a small commission from anything bought through these links, which will help me continue to bring this podcast to you every week. Plus, this was just fun to think about with Will and come up with these things together. So, of course, we are going to bring you the book Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. This is the book we talked about in this episode. We actually both reread a few chapters this year. 11th year in, I guess, as we were approaching our 12th anniversary, uh, just to kind of brush up on it. But it's the book that we read when we were engaged. Highly recommend it. Very practical ways of loving each other. And the thing that we are bringing to you is actually a project we have been working all day. I should say Will's been working on it all day. But there are these amazing string lights that we just hung up all over our back patio. And it kind of dawned on us, like, we could make our backs yard space, our back patio, kind of magical with just some lights. And so uh, he hung them up. They look gorgeous. They're these really heavy duty, like commercial grade lights that look so beautiful. And they have been the perfect addition to our back patio area. So just in case you want to make your backyard a little bit more magical, we highly recommend these. They're really durable, really sturdy, and so gorgeous. Thanks so much for listening to episode 68 of Work and Play with Nancy Ray. Everything I've mentioned today can be found in the show notes at nancyray.com slash podcast slash 68. And you can find me at nancyray.com or follow me at Nancy Ray on Instagram or Facebook almost daily. I'm going to close with words from Gary Chapman. Our most basic emotional need is not to fall in love, but to be genuinely loved by another. To know a love that grows out of reason and choice, not instinct. I need to be loved by someone who chooses to love me, who sees in me something worth loving. That kind of love requires effort and discipline. It is the choice to expend energy and an effort to benefit the other person, knowing that if his or her life is enriched by your effort, you too will find a sense of satisfaction. The satisfaction of having genuinely loved another. It does not require the euphoria of the in-love experience. In fact, true love cannot begin until the in-love experience has